Good morning. <laughs> Holy cow, how's everybody doing? Hi, Coral. Glad to have you out this morning and uh, good to be together. Isn't it wonderful to have some rain? It is fantastic. And so I'm glad you could be here with us this morning. And before I get started, Coral uh, from Divorce Care has something she'd like to share with you. Go ahead, Coral. Hello. And, oh, there I am. <laughs> I'm Coral Kimball, and I teach the Divorce Care for Kids class. And it's starting in two days, Tuesday night, uh, 6.30 to 8.30. And uh, it's a 13-week class, and I need help. <laughs> we used to meet on Mondays, and my helpers are not able to help me this time around because we're on Tuesdays. So if anybody out there is interested, um, I, like I said, I really could use the help. We've got six kids that are going to be in it this time around. Right. Yay! <laughs> and if anybody else wants to jump in, you know, let me know. Um, but if you are a child of divorce, well, obviously an adult whose parents divorced when you were a child, um, that would be great because you have insight. I am not. My parents stayed married all their life, so there are things that these kids go through that I do not understand. So that would be helpful. But you don't have to be, you know. So if you just love kids and you want to help, um, please let me know. See me after church. Thanks. Thank you, Cole. And it's uh, Divorce Care for Kids. That's class is starting up in just two days, right? Two days. That's awesome. Um, uh, again, my name is Tim, and welcome to Greater Alton Church. Uh, we're going to be getting in, in our lesson in just a second. If you have your bulletin with you, I just want to remind you of a couple things in your bulletin. Uh, one of them being that the celebration is tonight. We're having our celebration here at the church building. It's at, it's at 7 o'clock. We're going to be singing. We're going to try to crack the concrete is probably the theme for tonight. We're going to, not really. We're going to try to, we're just going to sing out and praise God. Hopefully, uh, you know, rock the place. And then we're going to just give a chance for people to share good news. And the Bible says good news, you know, is such, is so good for people. It's like a drink of water to those in a weary land. And so we're going to be sharing good news tonight. Well, you're going to be sharing lots of good news. I'm only going to be talking for just a few seconds. And then we're going to turn the mic over to you. And we're just going to praise God tonight with an open mic session. That starts at 7 o'clock, so uh, hope you'll be here. Join us uh, tonight at 7 o'clock. Also, the other thing I want to remind you about is our marriage retreat is just two weeks away, and we're doing, this marriage retreat is called the Road Less Traveled. We're looking at Route 66. In fact, we're meeting at a hotel called the Route 66 Hotel there in Springfield, and we're going to be uh, having a, it's going to be a retreat type of thing where you take your wife, your husband, and let's and you just get away and enjoy uh, being at Springfield. We've got three sessions uh, planned Friday night, Saturday morning, and then a sunset devotional on the lake there at Springfield, hopefully with weather permitting, uh, with a final uh, thought there. But if you'd like to, like to join us, be sure to sign up. We've got all that information. We've got license plates that show you all the information that we uh, that, about this marriage retreat. We'd love for you to join us. If you haven't signed up yet, get signed up. I think is it the next weekend is the last weekend we can sign up. Is that right? No? Okay, so we need to sign up as soon as possible. Please sign up today if you can, all right? For the ho- And what's that? Okay, so do they need to make the reservations at the hotel? Okay, so you get that information. They'll show you who to call and get reserved there, okay? Uh, today, uh, we're in a second lesson in a series I've been called, uh, we're calling Rooted. You know, the Bible talks about how you and I are, we have, like a tree has a root system, you and I have a root system too. And, the, and this root system is kind of like the bulletin cover. It's something that goes deep where it's hidden and nobody else can see what's going on. It's only between you and God. But the results are seen on the surface, above the surface. So, And this root system supplies everything you and I have, this spiritual root system, if you will, supplies everything we need to be fruitful, to, to, to thrive. In fact, the Bible says that the, the root of the righteous thrives. It, it flourishes. We learned that last week. Let's look at this passage again. This is our jumping off passage we've been using, we'll be using throughout this series. It's from the book of Colossians, and I hope you're reading the book of Colossians. I know our discipleship groups hopefully are going through the book of Colossians as well. This book is written to a little church in Colossae. Paul did not start this church. Epaphras started this church. Epaphras and Philemon are believed to have lived in this little town called Colossae. And look what it says here. And now, up here just on the screen, it's on your notes. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to live in obedience to him. 
Let your roots grow down into him and draw up nourishment from him so you will grow in faith, strong and vigorous in the truth you were taught. Let your lives overflow with thanksgiving for all he has done. See, the Bible is encouraging you and I. If you're a Christian, if you're somebody that's interested in God, let me tell you, you're going to have to get your roots deeper than the surface. You can't be content with just church attendance. You won't attain Christ with church attendance. Okay? It's deeper than that. And, and this little church, and it's a little church in Colossae, is being told, get your roots deep. Get them deeper than they are. And where do, where do I put these roots? In Christ. In Him. Draw nourishment. In Him. Grow in your faith. And, and, and obey what he has to say. That's how you do that. Somebody asked me one time, what is, what is it, what's the goal of, the, of, draw, of, of getting our roots deeper into Christ, Tim? It's, the goal is, is having Christ's teaching and way of life permeate every area of ours. That, that what we do with our time, what we do with our money, our plans, our, uh, uh, how, how we handle uh, the, the, the tough times in life, because when you put your roots down in Christ, you find the nourishment that feeds your faith. You find stability. You're not going to be blown away because your roots are deep. You're able to handle the storms of life. And you have this, not only just you're able to sustain life, but you're able to be fruitful. Actually able to make your life something that agrees and is in line with God's purpose. And for by the way, if you're a guest here this morning, you know, a couple things I want to tell you. You've come, to a, you've come to a church that believes in the Word of God and, and wants you to know that God wants your life to, be, to flourish. He wants it to grow. He wants, he wants you to enjoy the best in life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the secret. Now, you can put your roots in other things, right? We can put our roots in people. We can put our roots in money. We can put our roots in, in our career. But, you know, they're not stable enough to keep us going through the long haul. It's when you put your roots, when you sink your faith, when you go after Christ and having a deeper relationship with Him, that's when life really gets exciting. That's when life begins to change and you flourish. That's what we've been learning in this series so far. And God wants to do that in your life. Now, today I want to talk about being rooted in hope. What is hope? We're going to talk about that in here in a minute. And, and this idea of hope. You know, you ask somebody, what is hope? And they may say, well, it's a, you know, it's a deep desire to see something good happen from the future. And like, are we, are, we going, are we going to be eating afterwards? I hope so. You know, uh, is Tim going to get done with this sermon quickly? I hope so. You keep hoping, okay? Pray, pray, pray. At the end of World War II, an American sub was coming back home. And as it entered the harbor in a little harbor bay in Virginia, something went wrong and it sank to the bottom of the ocean, right there at the opening of the bay. They, the Coast Guard knows they're coming. They know something's went wrong. And this sub that had never been touched during the war, not had a scratch on it, sinks as it's just, just about home. And so the divers are, are, are dispatched. They get the deep sea divers put on their stuff. They go to the bottom of the ocean. They get there. They see the stuff. There's nothing that seems to be wrong with it. But they hear a tapping. Morse code. And it's a sailor somewhere in the hole. And what he taps over and over again is this question. Is there hope? What a question, huh? You ever wonder, is there hope? I know some of you here, you're going through something, you're asking that. If you could tap it, you could tap it, wouldn't you? If you knew Morse code, is there hope? Is there hope? Because I'm telling you, I'm going through something, and I don't see much hope right now. I'm going through stuff, financial struggles, I just don't see much hope right now. I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet, Tim. You know, maybe, maybe a relationship, maybe a friendship is going through a struggle like you've never seen. You used to be friends, and now you're no longer friends, and you're going, man, is there any hope of reconciliation? My marriage, you know, maybe it's your marriage. Is there any hope of reconciliation? Maybe you and your son or you and your daughter aren't talking or you're not talking to your parents and it's just really strained right now and you're thinking, is there hope? Is there hope? Or maybe you've got something in your heart, something in your mind. It's like a thought and it's taking you captive. It's pushing you around, making you worry and fret and you're asking, I just don't know how that's going to work out. Is there hope? You, you say, I hope so. 
But you know it's not enough. That's not hope. You're wishing. You're wondering. It's a great question to ask. David asked that question one time. You see, and look at this passage here in your notes. Because why am I discouraged, he asked himself. Why so sad? You ever had discussions like this with yourself? I do every once in a while look in the mirror. Why do I look like this? I mean, I do have these discussions, okay? But maybe you had discussions like, why is this happening to me? You know, why is, why is this all happening now? I don't need any more of this. Boy, I tell you, 2013, the Mayans may have been wrong. What is it supposed to all go to craps at the end of 2012? Right? Didn't they make a movie called 2012? And here we are in 2013. And the Mayans may have not got the world falling apart catastrophically all around us. But I'll tell you what, for some of us, it's falling apart inside, isn't it? We've got our own little 2012 going on. And David is having this discussion with himself. It's normal to have this discussion. You're having a discussion like this. Why is this happening to me? Why am I so discouraged? Why am I so sad? And look what David says. He's, he's like he's having a struggle to fight with his feelings and his faith. And if there's anything I've been fighting, there's a battle inside me raging too, church, between my feelings and my faith. Because look what he says. After he's asked these two questions, he decides something. I will put my hope in God. And because of that, he says, I will praise him again. He's not in the praising mood right now. Some of you can't wait for tonight. What are we going to sing? I can't wait. Give me the mic. Give me, give, 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 give me the mic. And you have it for an hour. And another thing. And another thing. And everybody's going, oh, man, sit down. Let me talk. Give me the mic. And then you go for another hour. And another thing. And some of us are going to come and say, yeah, I just need to hear somebody else praise because I'm not. I want to praise him again. I want to. But right now, I'd just like to hear some praising. And can I tell you, church, you know, this is the normal struggle that, that we're going to have from time to time. God doesn't insulate you and I from trouble, from problems. And when it, when it gets discouraging and when it gets hard and sad, I'm asking you and I'm, I'm saying, let's learn from this man, David. Put your hope in God because you will praise God again. There will be a day you'll go, because I put my hope in God, He is my Savior and my God. And man, I got through it. All storms have a beginning and all storms have an end. So you ride through the middle of it, knowing with hope there'll be a day you will stand again. The answer when you're discouraged, the answer when you're sad, when you're feeling this way, is have the faith to hope. In your God. Decide to trust your God. See what here's what happens a lot of times. You know, look at this. Look at this passage here. Look at it. Look at the Bible promises to you and I here. The hopes of the godly result in happiness, but the expectations of the wicked are all in vain. He's saying the hopes of the godly, man, they lead to praise and happiness and fulfillment. But the hope of the wicked, it's a waste of time. It's, it's useless. Why? Because they have their hope in something else. You see, guys, when, when we're going through tough times, when we're going through a storm, or we're going through a sad time in our life, disappointment, when life doesn't work out the way you want it to, you know what we want to do? We start looking for anything to give us some hope. And some people will settle for anything. The hope in their government. I don't know how many of I've heard, I've listened to on the news now, who are saying, you know, when I, that election, you know, I thought, man, we're finally going to have some change. But it seems like no matter who we put in office, it's the same old thing. Governments come and go. But people put their, you know, government will take care of it. We're about to go into Syria. People put, put their hope in money. If I could get some more money, that would give me more security. And the problem with that is, is that money, the Bible says, sometimes money has little wings like a bird and flies away. It's gone. 
You ever heard? Money, money flies. It's, it's gone. You know, how many of us here who may have had some money, you know, some of us here who have saved, you were wise enough to save, have, it's been affected by the economy. Now, the economy is something you can't... You put your hope in the economy, guess what? You're going to be disappointed. And if maybe it's people. I'll put my hope in a person. I finally got the love of my life. And, you know, I said I do. And what I meant by that was I will worship this person. I will wait on them hand and foot. I will depend on them for everything. I think one marriage, marriage counselor says it's like this. The relationship is shaped like an A. And if the other spouse fails, watch out. The other will lose it too. Maybe it's not, a, maybe it's not a, the love of your life. Maybe it's a preacher. I've got good news for you. Maybe bad news for some of you. Don't you depend on me. I'm a mess. I'm just being honest. You don't want to depend on me. Oh, Tim, don't you quit. Keep going. You know, last week you had us nervous. You talked about quitting. I'm just talking out loud what you think about. Hypocrite. We're just people, man. I, yeah. So, you know, by, by the way, I don't know if a preacher doesn't think about moving every Monday morning. Here comes the shame. Okay. <laughs> think about it, okay? You can't rely on a preacher, a person, all that. Man, you know, my friends. Oh, man, my friends. And, I, you know, the problem with depending on people is they let us down because they're people, they're human beings, and they're going to disappoint you and I someday. And if it's not that, it's just new things. I could just find something new. Fresh start. I'll just have a new start. I'll get a new job. I'll get a new house. I'll go to a new city. I'll find a new church. And that will make all the difference. And what happens is all those new things get old. They age. And we find out that we actually are taking our heart wherever it goes. And so what is it? What should I put my hope in? Not in people, not in things, not in money, not in governments, not in yourself. But your hope should be in the Lord. He's the only thing, the only person, the only one that has sustained everything that's ever happened. He is still there. And that's why when you put your hope in the Lord, your expectations won't be in vain. Go ahead and pop that verse up. Who's doing the PowerPoint day? Is that Pat? Now he's pushing me. Look at this. Okay, look what it says here. Chris, what did you tell Pat? Okay, here we go. Look at this. It says here, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. This is from last week. Look, at, I didn't notice this. You know, you, God's sometimes using Scripture for you, and I don't even, I just happen to find them, and, and then I notice something after I get done preaching the passage. You know, ever done that? Maybe not. But look at this. All the time, right? Yeah. Okay. Blessed are those who trust the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. He says, blessed. I wish I could put that in the notes so you could circle blessed. But pretend for a minute. Just circle that with your finger if you want to, Okay. They've made the Lord their hope and confidence. And what are they like? Like a tree planted along the riverbank with roots that what? Reach deep. You hope in the Lord, your roots go deeper. Like, like beside water. And look at this. They're not bothered by the heat or worried when long, long months of drought come along and their leaves stay green and they go right on producing delicious fruit. When does that happen? How is that made possible? They grow and become fruitful because they've... At Early on in their life, they say, I'm going to put my hope in God. I find that fascinating. So what is hope? What is hope? Hope, hope is powerful. In fact, look what it says here. Look what, look what the Bible says here in, in Isaiah 40, verse 31. There's so many verses on hope, I couldn't show them all to you. I had to, give, I had to delete a bunch of them, and I'm frustrated this morning because of that. Because there's just not enough time. But do a study of the word. Look at the word hope or hopes or hoped. And look at all the verses that talk about hope here. 
It says, those who hope in the Lord, it says, will renew their strength. What's he saying? When you hope in the Lord, it will give you a second wind. It will help you get back up. It will help you keep going. Why is that? Because hope is dealing with the why behind what I do and how long I do it. That's what the why is our hope. It's, it's what we're looking forward to. They'll soar like wings like, on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not be faint. I mean, just the energy, the intensity that, that you and I can have if we just hope in the Lord when we're going through the ringer. Isaiah is writing this during a bad time in Israel's history. It's a very tough time. And he's telling them, hope in the Lord. It'll give you that second win. Hope is powerful, guys. It has a powerful impact in life. And I don't know if anybody's been watching the National Park series by uh, Ken Burns on PBS, but I've recorded all six episodes. And the second episode talks about Yellowstone. And one of the things that I, I thought, you know, uh, as I'm watching this, they're talking about a guy named Truman Everts. There's a mountain named after him in Yellowstone, Everts Mountain. And, I, and they just mentioned a little bit about him. I thought, oh, I wonder if I've got on my Google. I'm going to research this guy. And you find out Truman Everts was part of an expedition before Yellowstone was a national park. They were just exploring and looking around. They see these geysers. They see, they see Old Faithful. They can't believe what this thing's going off on time. You could set your watch to it. They're, they see wildlife, all kinds of wildlife, deer, elk, bear, Mountain lion, geese, ducks, just you name it. It's, it's filled, teeming with life. Trees, thick as weeds. You, sometimes they couldn't even pass through the forest as they're trying to get from point A to point B, so they'd have to split up. And so Truman Everts says, you know, he, he writes to the account, he goes, so I decided I would go this way because there, there was this, there was this just mound of dead trees and brush that they couldn't, they couldn't go through, so they'd go around it. And some guys would go one way, some guys go another, and say, we'll meet you on the other side. Well, this could be a mile or two. It'd be so, so breathtaking, so big. Well, he gets separated from the expedition. He doesn't panic. He says to himself, well, you know, I, I know. I'm not worried yet because I know I'm going to see my, my, my buddies. He has a pack horse. It's got a tent. He's got a Winchester. You know, he's got, he's got all kinds of, of, of uh, provisions. He's got two knives. All he needs. Well, he doesn't find his expedition party right, right away. The next day, he's still looking for them. He gets off his horse to go look to see if, over a ridge somewhere. And the horse gets spooked and takes off. He's on foot. Wait a second. There goes my rifle, my pistol, my tent, my cooking supplies. So he spends a half a day trying to find his horse. He can't find it. He realizes all he has is two knives and an optical, uh, 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 opera glass. That's all he's got, lens. And he loses the two knives the next day. So now all he has is this opera glass. That ain't going to help him. He's got this opera glass and the clothes on his back, and that's it. But he says, you know, I hope, I hope to see my buddies shortly. Thirty-seven days pass. When they find him, he's 50 pounds. He's lived off thistle roots. What well, isn't all bad. I mean, if he wants to cook them, he just puts them in the boiling water from a geyser, and you know he has nice tender roots. Would you trade places with him? He leaves notes. He has a little, you know, signs where he's been. He takes a belt buckle, the tongue of his belt buckle, sharpens it, and uses it to dig. And he's he's trying to you know trying to find ways. He loses that, by the way. He loses, he finally starts to fire because it's August. You say, well, August, it's hot. Here it is. Not in Yellowstone. Two foot of snow is falling in Yellowstone. He gets chased up a, a tree by a mountain lion. 
He eats all this wildlife. He can't get any of it. He says, wow, it's so pretty. At one time, I used to go, look at the mountains and look at this and look at and the, and the streams. And he's at Artist Point, that big waterfall, if you've ever been there. And he's like, I could care less because I'm about to lose hope. And the only thing that keeps, keeps this guy going, that keeps Truman Everts going, is he believes this. He says to have life is to have hope. And so he keeps putting one foot in front of her. Oh, by the way, he got frostbite. He slept too close to a geyser and scalded his right rump. Talk about the hot seat, huh? Finally starts a fire, falls asleep, wakes up to a forest fire. His hair is all singed off. He's bald as a bowling ball. And his right hand is burnt as well. He's saying, this guy, if it weren't for bad luck, he'd have no luck at all. You're right. But he has this hope that keeps him going in spite of all of it. By the way, as he's trying to make his way out, he loses his little, optic, you know, his little opera glass and has to hike five miles back to find it. What's his hope? He says, he said, I put my hope in my Creator. That's what he says. And he says, and I have some hope to see my daughter one more time. And that keeps him one foot from the other. Until two guys, he has hallucinations. Guys, he has a guy walk up to him, a best friend that he knew, you know, back east. And he's talking to him. He says, listen, stop what you're doing. Turn around and go back where you are. And he listens to the vision. He listens to the, he's hallucinating. He sees pelicans and thinks they're Indians in a canoe. The man's losing his mind, and yet one thing he knows, I'm going to hope in my Creator. And he lives one day at a time, anticipating the day he will see his daughter, and he did. He saw his daughter. He, said, he says at the end of his encounter, I hope for the day when I can come back to Yellowstone and actually enjoy it. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's how powerful hope is. You can, be, you can be busted down, knocked down, and then, you know, you start hoping, you start thinking, you know, what's in front of me? What could be in front of me? And, and it goes from what could be, you begin to discover what is in front of you, and hope begins to feed your faith, stabilize your emotion, and helps you get back up. The Bible says, knock a righteous man down seven times and he'll get back up. I believe, I'm convinced it's because of the hope he carries in his Lord. So how do you define hope? What is hope? Preacher asked a kid once, his his 10-year-old son, what is hope, son? He said, it's when you want something really, really bad, Dad. That's what hope is. And i got to admit, hope is does have an element of desire in it. But I think hope is much more than that when you look at the definition of hope in the Bible. For example, hope is not wishful thinking. If you want to know what hope is, first, it's not wishful thinking. It's not crossing your fingers and hoping things will work out. You think it's going to work out? Let's hope so. You ever said that? Let's hope so. See, real hope is is more than a desire for something good to come. Guys, remember, watched... uh, Shawshank Redemption, you know what I'm talking about. Excellent movie. Remember when Andy and Red get into it at the cafeteria? And he says, Andy, what are you talking about? I'm talking about hope, Red. Hope! Andy, that's a dangerous thing. And why is he saying that? Because he's been turned down by the parole board over and over and over again, and he's gotten used to the walls of Shawshank Prison. And Andy's saying, I'm innocent, and I'm getting out of here. And that hope would make this guy... That wishing doesn't do that, folks. Wishing won't do that. Hope motivates you to do something. Like faith, hope brings about action. Andy Dufresne digs through concrete and crawls through what? A mile of stuff and comes out clean on the other side. And remember he says to to Red, as Red finally is paroled, in that little note in that can where the shiny rock was under that oak tree, he opens it up and says, just remember, Red, Hope is a good thing. And I hope to see you. And he says at the end of that movie, 
I hope to see my friend. I hope the ocean is as blue as they say it is. And he receives his hope. I want you to know, maybe you're wishing. That's not hope. Hope's not wishing. I'll tell you another thing. Hope is not being optimistic. It's not being positive. You say, what is it? Uh, Tim, uh, think positive. Tim's probably going to get done early today. I hope so. Not a chance. Think about this. You know, you say, what is it? Art isn't hope always positive? Hope is, I think hope should be positive. If you're hoping the Lord, yes, it should be positive. But guys, think about this. Optimism has more to do, has more to do with, with thinking. You hear me? Optimism has more to do with thinking. Hope has more to do with trusting. That really helps me. Being positive is psyching yourself up. I'm going to be positive. Be positive, Tim. Be ready. Preach the word. You know, Gary's behind the stage. He goes, Tim, preach the word. Okay, I will. I'm coming out. You know, well, he didn't slap me. But that's how, you know, he was like, and the, go for it. And, you know, I'm, not, I'm all for being positive, but positive is more psychological. Hope. Listen to me. Hope is theological. Why, what are you talking about, Tim? The hope I'm talking about is not psychological. It's theological. It's not saying, well, I hope it works out and I'm going to be positive. No, hope is when you say, I believe and trust the character and will of God. I don't just think it's going to work out. I know it's going to work out because I trust and hope in the character of and will of God. I, I, I hope in the sovereignty, the power of God. He can do whatever He wants, so why don't I just let Him? Instead of fighting it. See, hope, what is hope? It is, I bust up the English language, and you English people, I'm sorry. I do a lousy job with English. I've already proven that this morning. But look at this. Here's how I say it. Hope is expecting with confidence. And I know you could say, well, how about confident expectation? I can't spell confident expectation, but I can spell expecting with confidence. <laughs> hope is expecting. It's not only saying, I, you know, I, I'm expecting, I, I'm, I'm positive and I, I'm desiring that this come to me from the Lord. But I'm also expecting it. And not only expecting it, I'm confident it will. How can I do that? Because of who God is. You see, hope is only as good as what you put it in. And if you put it in things, it's going to fall. But you put it in the Lord, and you will not be disappointed. So I got to thinking, is there anything in Colossians I can get out of this book? Because we're talking about hope today, and we're talking about being rooted. And the book of Colossians talks about this, about being rooted in hope. I noticed... Well, I noticed five things that help me have hope. And by the way, when you by the way, you do a count, guys, because you say, Well, Tim, five points, that's a lot of points. Well, you know there are five thousand promises in the Bible. I could have went through five thousand points this morning. There's only five I'm gonna share with you. But I I want you to know, I believe and I expect if you look at these and believe these and put your hope in these you will have the hope that you're looking for and, and the hope in the right source and you will not be disappointed. What are they, Tim? Well, you know, here's, here's what I... Uh, by the way, look at this passage here before we get in there. No, can we back up? Hebrews 10, 23. There it is. Look at that. Let us hold firm to the hope we have confessed. Why? Because we can trust God to do what He promised. I like that. You can have hope when you put your hope in Christ, when you put your hope in God. Listen, you can trust He will do what He promises. So let's look at five promises that I believe God is giving the church at Colossae. The first thing is this, okay? When I put my hope in God, I can expect God to always love me. You say, well, duh. Well, Tim, you wasted ink. I already know that. I could have wrote that one. I don't know. 
I got to be honest with you, I don't know. I, I have trouble sometimes believing God loves me. Sometimes I think God's trying to punish me. When do you feel that way, Tim? When things don't work out the way I want them to? You know, when, when things don't work out or I'm disappointed, I'm asking, why is this happening? Why is God letting this happen? And look at, look at, and here at the church in Colossae, I think this is so interesting. Look what, what Paul reminds the church at Colossae that kind of feeds their hope here. God has chosen you. You've been chosen. You ever been playing on a playground? Remember on the playground? We're going to choose up sides for you. You know, concrete and steel tag. That's what we used to play when I was a kid. Concrete and steel tag. As long as you're touching concrete steel, you. and then we added wood, I think, violently. Concrete steel and wood in the 60s. As long as you were touching that, you couldn't be, couldn't be tagged. You had to, or you had to move through the playground. We had chains of people going from steel to a tree, wood. And then we'd all go to the tree. Then we'd chain across. Crazy game. But we sometimes we'd choose up sides for softball or some, some, some playground game. And there'd be, there'd be these two guys, you know. There'd be this guy he played on the A team of basketball, Mike Potter. And he'd be standing there like this. We're going to choose up sides. And then you had, you know, some kid who looked like he hadn't even been eating well. Oh, I'll choose two. And you're sitting there going, which team do I want to be on? Mike, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. And you have some athletic guy say, I picked him. Man, I tell you, you talk about inflating your confidence, building your self-image. But if this kid, I picked him. You can barely say it, he's so weak. Oh, man. You see, who chooses you matters. And God, he says, I, he says, God has chosen you. Don't you know that? He's made you his holy people. And look what he says, just to kind of help us encourage a little bit. He loves you. You may say, why would he want to remind the church of Colossae that God loves them? What you don't know about the church of Colossae is this. It is a third-rate town. It used to be a big mecca of a place. Everybody came to Colossae. But now Laodicea and Herpopolis, I believe it is. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. These two towns are growing and Colossae is dying. The town isn't as big as it used to be. The church, guys, is not a mega church. You read about Jerusalem's church, 100,000, 500,000, 300,000, big churches. Ephesus, 50,000. Corinth, 70,000. You know, big churches, big mega churches. And then you... Colossae, it's a little bitty church. Not very many people there. Not even, not even planted by, by the Apostle Paul. It's a little church. Lots of Jews live in this, in this town, and they are giving these Christians the business. So, you know, why is he... He goes, God chose you, not us. We're in the middle of nowhere. We're a hole in the wall. You know, I was back in the first service reminding them you look around sometimes at our church, but, you know, we got rips in the carpet, got stains. Oh, man, we wouldn't be doing it. We had, you know, Mike and the team of people do their best to make this as pretty as they can, you know. And we look around and we go, man, what's happening to Greater Alton? What's happening to my community? Businesses are closing down. You know, Alton is not a mecca of economic growth right now. Am I okay to say that? Eversville seems to be doing really well. They've got a movie place. We have Eastgate. It's out of focus. You can barely hear it. It's muffled. They got the crazy place, you know. 3D. We're not even good at 2D at Eastgate. We're still working on 2D. And maybe sometimes you think, you know, I'm behind, I was behind the door when God had handed out the brains or handed out the talent or handed out whatever. You may feel like Colossae is the church for me. I'd fit right in. God, I will tell you something. God lo- will always love you, even if you feel like a Colossae Christian. He always will love you. Oh, but Tim, I fumble and bumble. I haven't been to church in a long time. God loves you. Yeah, but I, you know, I'm sure he's mad at me. He's probably, you know, I've noticed something in the scripture. I can't find where God says I stay angry a long time. In fact, he says the opposite. 
I can't stay angry, but he can stay loving. Even when Israel's doing poorly and when they're messing up, he goes, I just can't stay mad at you very long. Come back. Read Jeremiah 3. He says, I won't no, I'll no longer look at you in disappointment because I just love you. And sometimes, guys, you know, when things aren't going well, you may question, I just wonder if God loves me. Maybe God's trying out to get me. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you this morning, put your hope in God. His love, when you put your hope in God, you can expect this with confidence. He'll always, always love you. Oh, he doesn't. You don't know what you don't know what I did. Well, you're probably right. And if I did know what you did, it would it would really challenge me to love you. You're right, but it doesn't challenge God's love. He delights in it. He it's what he wants to do more than any thing else. And by the way, when you when you think about God, by the way, I want to say, let me say a couple of things. Think about consider this. I don't know if God loves me. It may not be the problem. It may be you don't love God. God is punishing me. No, he's not. You may be punishing yourself. Because your hope is not in God. Your hope is in is in the wrath of God. You're expecting God to come down on you. And I want you to know, God already did come down on, on mankind. He came down from heaven and came to earth and was lifted up on a cross. And, and he came down into a grave. And he came out of that grave and he went into heaven, promising you forever that he loves you and thinks the best of you. That means everything he says, everything he does, everything he allows to happen. And I don't even know how to answer that question. Why does God allow some things and not others? Because he does allow some things and doesn't allow others. Well, why is he allowing this in my life? All I, can t- oh, I don't know. I don't- All I can tell you is I know that it's out of love. Well, that sure doesn't feel like God's love. I know. We just don't understand his love sometimes, do we? But it's out of love. Look what it says here. The Lord is good. His love is forever. His loyalty goes on and on. You see, my love doesn't last. Your doesn't, love doesn't last. We have limits to how much we love, but not God's love. It goes on and on and on. He's for you. He is for... Somebody's supposed to hear that. I don't know who, who it is. God is for you, not against you. And He'll feel that way if you ignore Him. That's how deeply loved you are. Number two, when I put my hope in the Lord, I can expect God to tell me the truth. I ask myself this question. Do I have somebody who always tells me the truth? You say, sure you do, Tim. No, I don't. And neither do you. Oh, I bet Denise tells you the truth. Sometimes. You mean she lies? No, she just doesn't tell me everything. She'll say things like this to me occasionally. I'd like to say this to you. But I don't think you're ready. You ever, somebody says, look at my baby. What do you think? (laughs) Remember Seinfeld? (laughs) Remember Kramer? (laughs) And we always say, so precious. That's a safe word to say. Or we know, you know, we know what the truth is, but we agree with Jack Nicholson. You can't handle the truth. And so we don't want to say it. You know, God thinks you can handle the truth. God thinks you should know the truth. In fact, Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the way, truth, the life. I'm everything. And you can count on God to tell you the truth. If you put your hope in him, he won't lie to you. He won't schmooze you or stroke you. He'll try to talk. He'll tell you what you need to know. I'll tell you, the gutsiest thing I ever did, the gutsiest thing I ever did was I opened my Bible up with somebody and, and wanted to know what God had to say. I know what churches say. I know, I know what my mom and dad said. And I know what my preachers, have, preachers I've had in my life said. But what does the Bible actually say? And I found out I could understand it, but I had to have the guts to open the Bible and look. Maybe you're one of those people. I want to encourage you. Have the courage to open the Bible up with somebody and say, let's look and see what it says. Why? You can count on God to tell you the truth. He's not going to lie to you. Oh, I don't want to hurt Tim's feelings, so I'm not going to tell him. I'll tell him something else. Oh, you're great. Oh, yeah, that's a great decision. God's not that way. He loves you too much. 
to lie. Look what it says here in Colossians. The faith and love that spring from, from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth. He says, you know, you have hope because of truth. Because you heard the gospel. The truth about how God feels about you. The truth about sin. The truth of the results of both. Look at it says here. I love this in Hebrews 6. It says there's two things that cannot change. God cannot lie when he says something. And he cannot lie when he makes an oath. So these two things are a great help to us who have come to God for safety. They encourage us to hold on to the hope that is ours. He's saying, man, you want to have you put your hope in Christ? You can count on something. God loves you and he will tell you the truth. So if he says this is what you do to be saved and you've done it, guess what? You are saved. If he says, Tim, here's the problem you've got going on wherever it is in your life. It is the problem. Here's the solution. Oh, that looks difficult. I know, but that's the solution. You can count on it being the answer. God doesn't lie. You can count on God to give you the best answer. Why, Lord? Why do you tell us the truth? Why are you so why do you think we can handle the truth? Why would you bother to tell us the truth? Because like Jesus would say, he would say, Because the truth will set you free. And that's what I want you to experience. His freedom. Number three, I can count on this. If I put my hope in God, I can expect not only that He loves me and you tell me the truth, I can expect God to change me. The most exciting thing, guys, I, don't, I want you to get this. The most exciting thing that could happen in your life is the creator of the universe, the creator, the Alpha and the Omega work in your life that has, that has the desire, that has that has the, the wherewithal, the power, and the ability, and the, just this deep desire to say, I want to work in your life. Oh, you don't want to work with me, Lord. I'm a basket case. I'm a mess, you know. I've messed it all up. Oh, no, that's when I'm going to do my best work. Let me have you. I just felt like a bucket of junk. I know you're, but I can, watch me. Watch me see what I can build. Give me, just give me you. And I'm better than MacGyver. I'm better than the best auto mechanic you know. I restore life. And if you put your hope in God, He is going to change you. Now, I don't know if that excites you or frightens you. It should excite you. Because that's what God wants to do most of all. He wants to transform you and change you into His glory. Look at this. Look at this passage here in Colossians. It says, God decided to let his people know this rich and glorious secret which he has for all people. This secret is Christ himself who is in you. He is our only hope for glory. I think the NIV says, Christ in you, the hope and glory. Am I right? What's he, what's he trying to say here? He's saying that, that the secret is God wants to be inside you and then by being that, you can anticipate His glory coming from you. You experiencing and displaying His glory. Look, at, look, look what He goes on to say. So we continue to preach Christ to each person using all wisdom to warn them and teach everyone. He says, because of this, He says, we do that in order to bring each one of God's, well, into God's presence as a mature person in Christ. Guys, what I'm trying to tell you this morning is this, okay? A lot of people get this idea, I become a Christian, and then God is going to glorify me way over here at the end. Because the Bible talks about this. We'll, our bodies will die, but we will resurrect into, or be transformed into a glorious body, a a uh, incorruptible body. And we go, wow, I'm going to get a new body. Yeah, yeah, you get a new body. Okay. So I'm waiting for a new body? Are you kidding me? That's what I'm waiting for? 
I go through all this stuff. It is glorious. It's indestructible. It's amazing. You'll be in heaven. And we talk about heaven. And by the way, I don't want to downplay heaven. Heaven's a big deal. It is a big deal. But what makes it a big deal is God's presence is there. And I'm with the Lord there. But it's not waiting for me at the end. But that God is trying to bring His glory in my life every step of the way. Why is God wanting to do that? He's preparing me for heaven. And so when I, when I realize that, when I put, with Christ is in me, it's the hope of glory. Not way back, right wait in the future, but it's right in front of me. A little at a time. A little at a time. Uh, Colossians 3 here, uh, this passage, you've only got four, so only four verses, but it says you've been raised to a new life in Christ. So what? He says, so set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits at the right hand in the place of honor and power. In other words, glory. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Don't think about things down here on earth. For you died when Christ died. And your real life is hidden. And I've wondered about this. Hidden? Does that mean rooted? That's where the roots are. It's hidden in Christ. And when Christ, who is your real life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all His glory. When's God going to reveal this? When I die? Judgment day? Or does He start revealing it the moment I trust Him? And they see this new life evolving and changing. Why would I bother putting to death these sinful things, these earthly things that's lurking in me? Have nothing to do with sexual sin, impurity, lust, shame. Why bother if I'm going to be glorified here? There's, there is a glory, glory, the majesty, splendor of God that's being revealed in you and I as we follow Him. You can expect God to be changing you and working on you. Let me read a passage to you that's on your notes. Just listen to this. This is not an easy-to-read version. It's Romans chapter 8. And see if this doesn't help you understand something here. Paul says, We have sufferings now, but these are nothing compared to the great glory that will be given to us. Everything that God made is waiting with excitement for the time when He will show the world who His children are. He's saying the whole creation is waiting. To see the sons and daughters of God walk on this earth once more. You see, there was a day when a human being was walking on this earth that had the glory of God. And you say, Jesus. I'm not talking about Jesus. I'm talking about Adam and Eve. They were made in the image of God. There was no sin in them. And they walked on this earth. They showed, they they displayed the image of God, the power of God, the majesty of God, the splendor of God. All the glory of God was in these two. And then sin comes along and screws it all up. And so what happens? God promises there will be a day when glory will come again. And Jesus shows up. And He says, in essence... Glory is now going to be on this earth again. And the creation shakes with excitement. We're going to see the sons and daughters of God again? Yes. And that is the Christian. That is you. When you hope in God. He begins to change you. Are you changing? Are you finding yourself changing? It's because you've got your hope in God. If you're not changing, let me tell you something, guys. If you don't expect God to work on you and change you, you're going to be surprised. When he does, you're going to be frustrated when he tries. You're going to be miserable as he keeps working. Do you find yourself miserable as a Christian? When you're challenged, when God challenges you with a trial or through a challenge in the Scripture or from someone, can't you see, don't you see this? Well, you ought to hope for this. You, this ought to be exciting to know. I'm going to become like Christ. God wants to make me into his image. Not just my body, but my character, my life. Like the song says, I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord. I'll have a new life. And I say to you, when you put your hope in God, 
Be excited. God is going to work in you. Can you believe that God is going to work in your life and in my life in order to make us into His glory? The hope of glory. The hope of seeing Christ in you and I. Who needs to see Christ in you? Your family? Your workplace? You can, listen, you put your hope in God, you're going to see some changes happen. Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged when you have setbacks. Oh, I blew my top again. Oh, I did that again. Oh, I overspent again. Oh, I'm thinking that again. Oh, I downloaded that again. I got, oh man, I'm a mess. And God said, no, wait a minute. We're working on this together. I'm going to help you with that. And there will be a day when you'll be more like Christ and less like you are now. But you've got to place your hope, your hope in Christ. Number four, when, I, when I'm rooted in hope, I can expect God to use me. I need to expect God to use me. God don't want to use me. Like I told you before, Colossae was a third-rate town, small church, not that hot, not that cool a place. And yet God, get this, guys, God sees fit. The Apostle Paul writes this church, singles them out, and it's in our Bible. And you may think sometimes, oh, why, how could God use me? Well, yeah, He could use me as a bad example. A good example of a bad example. A good example of a doofus. Well, I want to tell you, I think God wants to use you more than, than for that. He wants to use you to make an impact in this world. You see, when I put my hope in God, I find His purpose for my life. Have you ever wondered why you're the Christian where you work? Why are you the Christian and your campus. Why are you the Christian at Schnucks today? Why are you the Christian that's filling up gas at that gas station? Why are you the Christian in that family? And don't you sometimes go, man, I wish God could use it. I'd love to bring someone to Christ. I'd love to bring someone to church. I'd love for them to experience what I'm experiencing. And you know, I've listened to some of you talk about, you know, Tim, it's, it's exciting. It's thrilling when you go, I, I shared my faith at work and I actually felt like I was used by God. It's an exciting experience, isn't it? When you know God's used me because I couldn't do this by myself. Look what it says here in Colossians 3. He reminds them, God has chosen you and made you His holy people. He's saying, I've singled you out. You're just as holy as the big churches. You're just as holy as the, as the, the sophisticated, all those that seem to have all together Christian. I've chosen you and made you holy. I've set, holy means to set you apart. For a purpose. And he says, here's what you can do right now. You can show mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience right now. God wants to use you. God, God, guys, if you go, man, Tim, I want to be used by God. You know, God is for that. He'll help you. He'll help you be used. Look at it says here in Colossians 4. Be wise in the way you act with people who are not believers. Making the most of every opportunity. He says, man, you be looking. Because God is, you can expect this. God is going to use you at any minute. Any second, there's going to be a door open. Make the most of that opportunity. Be watching for it. Be expecting it. Because when you put your hope in God, He intends to use you. And the last thing that I find in, in the book of Colossians I can expect is, I can expect God to reward my faithfulness. You can expect God to reward your faithfulness. He doesn't reward, you say, thank God He doesn't reward perfection. Huh? I don't even know if He, thank God He, he doesn't require greatness. Just faithfulness. Just being faithful. Look what he says here. In all your work you're doing, work the best you can. He's saying this to servants. And I thought, you know, to slaves. And by, gosh, you know, guys, think about this. We, who's servant but us? I mean, Christians are servants. This is something we should pay attention to. In all, you, all that you're doing, 
Work the best you can. Whether it's like Andrew was talking about, stack, stacking products somewhere, do the best job you can. If it's driving down the street, some of you need a lot of help, do the best you can. You need to ask Ethan about a stop sign sometime. That's a really exciting story. But I, I'm just saying, you know, guys, whatever you're to do, whatever you're doing, at home, at work, do the best you can. Work the best you can. Work as if you're doing it for the Lord and not for people. Would that make a difference in your life at work? If you were doing it for Jesus, if He walked in, it sure would change the way I deal with stuff. Because you're working for the Lord. Do it for the Lord, not for people. Remember, then He says, remember that you'll receive your reward from the Lord, which He promised to the people, to His people. You are serving the Lord Jesus. God will reward your faithfulness. For some of you here, I want to encourage you, don't quit. I don't do it very well. Well, me either. I have a lot of things I just don't do. You know, I thank God I don't have to be a perfect leader or a great leader. I just need to be a good one. And I don't even know if... Guys, I'm not a perfect Christian. I'm not a great Christian. I know I'm a good one. That's all, that's all I know. Many of you here know what I'm talking about. You don't feel great. You don't feel perfect. But I want to tell you, you're good. You're good Christian people. Why are you staying? Why do you keep staying? Why do you keep showing up Sunday after Sunday? I had somebody say to me one time, Tim, if you ever quit, I'll be gone. You, You think that's a compliment? It's insulting to God. I'm going to the doctor. I made my appointment. I just want to make sure I'm okay. Okay? And you say, are you okay, Tim? I, I don't know. I think I am. But, you know, I've, I've never, I haven't been to the doctor since I was in high school. I don't take any medication. But I'm not going to be here forever. Don't put all your eggs in my basket. I'll drop them. I'm not saying put your eggs in somebody else's basket in this room. They'll drop them. And if, and if you're an egg dropper like me, just be faithful. God, will, God is going to work it out. God will reward you. Don't quit. Don't stop. Some of you are thinking about quitting. Some of you are thinking about getting out. Not out of church. Maybe out of the marriage. Maybe out of the family. Maybe you're quit thinking, I just need a new start. How about just say, I'm going to have a new start today. Make a commitment today. God will reward your faithfulness. Don't quit. Keep going. Keep going. Why? Because it's, the Bible says this, those who hope in me will not be disappointed. Keep working. Keep giving yourself to ministry. Mom, you keep raising your kids. You're, you raise those boys up to be men of God. Do not let anybody tell you to do something else. You, you let people help you. Dad, you raise your boys up to be prayer warriors. And if you get... Just, just, how do I do that, Tim? Pray with them every day. Just pray with them every day. That'll be enough right there. But don't get discouraged, Dad, when your daughters, with your daughters, go, man, I'm, so, I'm worried about them. You put, quit worrying and put your hope in the Lord. You won't have anything to worry about. You really won't. And if your spouse is struggling... You go, man, Tim, I, don't, I, I, I feel like what's the point of trying to, to encourage him anymore, encourage her anymore, they don't listen. says, you know what? You keep, you be faithful. I'm a product of a faithful woman that kept putting it on me. You, you keep at it, wife. You keep at it, husband. And if you're going, man, I don't know why I'm here at this job. It sucks. These people are all thieves. They all drive me crazy, a bunch of pagans. Well, you're there for a reason. Why? Look at it this way. The fields are ripe. You're a missionary, man. I'm miserable. You're a missionary, man. Just like Jeremiah dropped in the middle of, of 
the rubble at Jerusalem, you stick it out and God will God will reward your faithfulness. Don't give up. Don't quit. Get knocked down. Get back up. Seven times you get back up. You put your hope in the Lord. He will not disappoint you. He will reward your faithfulness. Where's your hope this morning? Where's your hope? Is it in, is it in stuff? Is it in new stuff? Is it in people? Or is it in the Lord? It's my prayer. It's my desire that you decide this morning. My, my hope is going to be in the Lord. I'm going to expect God to do something. I'm going to expect God to always love me. I know He's going to tell me the truth. I'm looking for Him for truth, for purpose, for direction, instruction. I'm going to look to Him. And I'm going to start... I'm not going to be surprised when things happen because I think He's probably doing something there to change me. So I'm just going to let Him have His way here. I'm going to start expecting Him to change me into somebody into that better husband, that better wife, better kid, better person. Will you let God use you? The doors are opening right now. Will you let God use you? Make the most of that opportunity. God will reward your faithfulness. There's a card in your bulletin. I don't know what decision you need to make. There's a card there. Communication card that simply says, you know, hey, I can make a commitment by checking a box or I can ask for prayers. The church, I want to, we're going to sing a song, give you an opportunity to do that, fill that card out. Let me encourage you to do that. If you're wondering, should you fill a card out or not, do it. Just do it. I don't know if I need to. Yeah, you do. Do it. Ask God. Ask God. You know, ask these people to pray, who pray over these cards that do not call other people and say, guess what so-and-so said. Guess what so-and-so wrote down. They don't do that. You know, they say, Lord, you saw what they wrote down. They're needing help with this. It takes it to, they don't take it to a gossip. They take it to, the, to God for the purpose of God working in your life. What's this church about, Tim? This church is about bringing God's power to your problems and making a difference, and we hope that will happen with you today, starting today. We'll get, we're going to sing that song and let you do this right now. And then we'll sing another song right after that to take up those cards and our regular contribution. And then we'll be done with the service. May God bless you. May you put your hope in the Lord. Let's pray.